When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents Cool Sheets from AHA to Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my AHA moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. To play fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app and try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. It's a Sunday fun day recap here. Going over the week seven action for the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon matchups. It was a week of uh, a lot of streaming questions because we had a heavy bye week. It wasn't just because we had four teams on bye, which is quite a bit in and of itself. It was what teams were on bye. All the top scorers from pretty much almost all the positions were not available this week. So we had to go through a lot of interesting questions, a lot of interesting ideas and projections and rankings try to get you guys out on top, and hopefully we did a good enough job of doing that overall. 
Thank you for tuning in live, by the way, on our YouTube channel. If you have not done so, please subscribe so that we get notified whenever we have new content available. Download us on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the show on the go. And give us a five-star review. Greatly helps us out. You can also catch us on demand when you download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices. Look for the Billy Sports TV category. We have all of our episodes available there. But it was an interesting week, and it's not over yet. Of course, we'll tomorrow night we'll recap the Sunday night action and the Monday night game along with the waiver saviors at 10 p.m. Eastern, like we are on Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern every single day of the week because that's how available we are to you. I do want to give a quick shout-out. We are going to have a special episode next Sunday with the MD's Monstar episode. Me and Chris Dowhow will be on at 11 a.m. on Sunday Next week, what we'll do is go through the MD's Monstars, go through our all-time Monstars, and basically kind of our way of giving our mid-season awards and having a little Halloween fun. I don't know what I'm going to dress up as yet. I'm still deciding what I'm going to do and roll the dice off, but we will have some fun, and we'll field some start-sick questions because it will be Sunday morning, and typically speaking, we're not live on Sunday morning. I'm usually fielding social media. I'm usually putting in my last-minute projections based on the breaking news we tend to get especially the past few weeks we have some interesting like you're always waiting for guys that are like are you gonna play are they not gonna play and you're waiting for that last bit of active inactive news to come down but we also last couple of weeks have got interesting news of unexpected starts from guys and we had a couple of who had some of those this week and it might have screwed you up it might have led you to playing some guys in certain situations that maybe you should not have so we'll talk about all that and, of course, a lot more in this show. But like I always like to kick off the Sunday Funday recap. Let's really examine those thumpers and bummers of week seven here. So let's kick it off with a quarterback thumpers. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! Oh, we actually had some decent quarterback play, at least at the top anyway. We had some points scored. Patrick Mahomes coming in at my number three Quarterback thumper of the week, 423 yards, three passing touchdowns, one interception. You were maybe a little bit concerned. He came in as my QB2 of the week, so I wasn't that concerned. But maybe you were a little bit concerned because it was the 49ers on the paper. And look, I I, I always say this, I'm a 49ers fan. And I know that we suddenly got a lot of people off the injury report. A lot of guys played in that game, were healthy. I don't know how healthy they actually were. And the Chiefs were able to take advantage of that fact. And Mahomes just, it looks like they're finding a groove. Even though they don't have that go-to Tyree kill option, I do think there's games in which when they don't hit those big plays, they can be stifled to some degree. But they hit a couple big plays in this game. And maybe they're finding a groove now with Juju and figuring out ways of how they can utilize a Mecole Hardman, how they can utilize a Marquez Valdez-Scantling with, of course, the bread and butter that is Travis Kelsey, all people we're going to be talking about throughout the show today, of course. But Patrick Mahomes coming through with a huge performance in a tough spot, over 400 yards and three touchdowns. Man, oh man, isn't he just awesome? My number two thumper of the week was Daniel Jones. Not through the air. Only 202 yards and a passing touchdown. So he did something through the air. He was serviceable. But he had 100 yards from scrimmage. Or I'm sorry, 100 rushing yards from scrimmage, technically. I'm not wrong, but that's not how I wanted to say that. 
and a rushing touchdown. So we know Daniel Jones has been very effective in the RPO action. He's had games like this already this season where he winds up getting inside the top 12. You don't always necessarily know when it's coming. This was a week, though, that some people probably were streaming Daniel Jones, and he was inside my top 16, which put him inside the conversation, too. And he just had 100 yards rushing, tax on the touchdown. They're all about the run. The Giants are all about the run. If it's not coming out of Saquon Barkley, it's coming out of Daniel Jones. He doesn't necessarily have the weapons to get it done through the air. Plus, he's still questionable as a passing quarterback anyway. But showing that he just has the athleticism to consistently give you a fantasy intrigue. That doesn't mean I want to run out there and play Daniel Jones from here on out like he's some kind of Konami cheat code like we talk about with some of these other players at the top of the upper echelon list. Like He's not suddenly a Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, a Josh Allen to me in that book. But what it shows you is that in certain matchups, especially when you have to stream him, these are the kind of outputs that you can hope for. And this week, it was very effective, and he winds up being a number two thumper for me on the week. But the number one thumper... Had to be Joe Burrow, who's been on freaking fire the past few weeks. 481 yards, three touchdowns, 20 yards on the ground, and tacks on a rushing touchdown because he could quarterback sneaked one in too. Last week, he was a QB1. He's a QB1 again this week by far. Joe Burrow is letting it up. The weapons are healthy. They have turned this offense officially over to Joe Burrow. A lot more shotgun, a lot more spreading it out. And staying aggressive. There were times in this game where they didn't necessarily have to be as aggressive as they were being against the Atlanta Falcons. They could have dialed it down. They could have played clock management. Instead, they went for the jugular. Something that not enough teams have been doing so far this season, which is why scoring in general is down across the board. But the Cincinnati Bengals did not fall into that trap this time around. And that's why Joe Burrow finished as the number one quarterback thumper of the week. Quarterback bummers. Uh the demise, the demise of Lamar Jackson continues for a third week in a row. It was incredibly frustrating. No touchdowns, first and foremost. 120 yards. Tax on 59 yards on the ground, which is the only thing that semi-saves you, I guess. It's been brutal. This is not a over-the-top great Cleveland Browns defense, especially not the way they've been playing as of late. He did get Rashad Bateman back in this game, so he had all of his weapons. Maybe they're a little bit banged up. Mark Andrews, of course, was not 100% heading into this game. He'll be on the list later. Don't worry. (laughs) It just hasn't been great the last three weeks. Now, he's Lamar Jackson. We're playing him every single week. We're going to rank him inside the top five every single week because, frankly, there aren't too many players out there who have the same kind of ceiling that he does. But you really want him to get back on track to what he was doing earlier in this season. And it's been kind of ugly ever since. The passing attack has grown stale. I question Greg Roman. But in the meantime, Lamar was very, very disappointing in a spot here against Cleveland Browns. Our number two bummer of the week. This should come as no surprise. Tom Brady. Ugh. 290 yards. No touchdowns. And it wasn't through lack of volume because he went over 50 pass attempts again. This is a Carolina Panther team with just straightaway Christian McCaffrey. Phillip Walker's the starting quarterback. And he still couldn't even get a 
touchdown. Yes, Mike Evans dropped a gimme bomb at the very beginning of the game that would have set him up. But still, for him to throw the ball 50 times with a healthy Evans and a healthy Godwin and to come away with practically nothing, something has to get turned around. I don't know what it's going to be or when it's going to happen. The only good news I can offer you is the talent is there. But for now, he's a number two bummer of the week. Jared Goff takes the cake at number one. Now, I had Jared Goff ranked outside of top 12, and I wasn't streaming him this week, but people have come to kind of depend on Jared Goff a little bit as a streaming quarterback, and he looked every bit as bad as he did the before they went on by against the New England Patriots. And I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, and I said, look, the home road split for Jared Goff is alive and well. And yes, the Dallas Cowboys are, are an elite defense right now. This was not a great matchup on paper to begin with. But going into the week, you're supposed to get Amon Ross St. Brown back. You're supposed to get DeAndre Swift back. Quarterback play in general hasn't been all that good anyway. So maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, Jared Goff has gotten the job done for me at some point this season. And I decide I'm going to roll out with him again. 1.52 fantasy points. Ton of turnovers. St. Brown gets hurt early in the game, so he loses one of his weapons right off the jump. DeAndre Swift winds up not even playing this week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And that's kind of what we wound up getting left with, too. It was a real shame to watch. And unfortunately, Jared Goff can only be streamed in plus matchups when they're in Detroit moving forward. Let's get into our running back thumpers. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Number three, Kenneth Walker for the second week in a row is a thumper. 168 yards, two touchdowns, caps off his game with a 74-yard breakaway touchdown. We'll get into more notes about him later on. We get through the game notes in the second half of the show. But man, oh man, it was awesome watching Kenneth Walker go off in a smash matchup to begin with against the Chargers. And he might be here to stay as a top 10 running back the rest of the way. What about Josh Jacobs? He's been on fire. He came in. I ranked him as my number one running back on the week. I was uber confident against the Houston Texans. And boy, did he did not disappoint. 143 yards. Picks up the hat trick in the touchdown department with three, baby. Gets four targets, three catches, and 12 yards. Kind of tack on a little cherry on top for you. But Josh Jacobs, looking every bit the man coming off the bye week. Still the workhorse back. No one even comes close. There's no committee here. He is the guy. He's looking for a new contract, and he is running away with the job, and I think he's going to stay inside my top five until further notice. But the number one thumper of the week, a little bit of a, hear that phrase, hook or by crook. It's a little bit by crook here, but nonetheless, he still got the job done. Austin Eckler, only 31 yards of the ground, picks up a rushing touchdown, but 12 targets, 12 receptions, 96 yards, and a receiving touchdown to boot. If you're in PPR leagues, he had a huge monster day. And that's why, even though he didn't have the three touchdowns like Josh Jacobs, 
He still is my number one thumper of the week. And the beauty about Austin Eckler is that from a rushing efficiency, it has not been great over the past few weeks, but they've gotten back to getting him the ball consistently through the air, just giving him an insane floor. And now he is chalking up touchdowns left and right over the past few weeks everywhere. He's getting a rushing and a receiving touchdown almost every week, it feels like. And he pay, and he pays up again once more. Running back bummers. So this is one of those guys I was talking about where the news this morning came out and it might have led you guys astray to making a decision you later on came to regret. And that was Isaiah Pacheco. Only 43 yards on the ground, didn't give you anything through the air. All of a sudden we get the reports. He was been practicing with the first team. He's going to be the starter. He's going to be significantly more involved. And you start to think to yourself, does this mean Clyde Edwards-Alaire is taking a back seat? What's going to happen now? Or would it be Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Zeller just acts as the pass catching back and Isaiah Pacheco leads the way? None of those were true. I want to save some of the analysis for when we get into it in the game notes later on the show. But Isaiah Pacheco, I have a feeling while he cracked my top 30 by the time the morning games kicked off because of the news, still was not incredibly high on him. Still did not have him as a must-start player and he probably, I know he did, led people astray and led them to a very disappointing performance as a last-second pivot. But my number two bummer was Leonard Fournette. And it really shouldn't come as a surprise that Tampa Bay Bucks across the board just were very disappointing. But for Leonard Fournette, who had been good, no matter what was going on with the Bucks, no matter the struggles of Tom Brady, the offensive line, the wide receivers, whatever was going on, he had still consistently been awesome for the first six weeks of the season. And this one has his first dead game of the year. Only 19 yards on the ground, three targets, two receptions, seven yards in a game, which they had to come back from behind. Rashad White played a lot more in this game than he had last week. And unfortunately, led to Leonard Fournette having a really bust performance here in week seven against the Carolina Panthers, which you should have expected for him to have a really great time here. And it just did not pan out. But my number one Bummer at the running back position on the Sunday Funday recap was A.J. Dillon. 15 yards, that's it. No targets, no receptions, no nothing. The Packers offense still stinks. Aaron Jones seemingly ran away with the job, whether it's due to game script or how they're going to approach things moving forward. We have to see, but A.J. Dillon, who's been incredibly disappointing throughout the season is now approaching the territory where we have to treat him as nothing more than a high-end handcuff to Aaron Jones. And that's it. No longer a guy that could have flex standalone value on his own. Cause frankly, the touchdowns aren't there. He's not getting the ball enough to do what he does well, which is wear defenses down and close them out in the second half. Well, he's not getting the ball enough to get in a rhythm for that. And the Packers offense is looking completely lost. So A.J. Dillon, right now, all he is, a high-end handcuff if something were to happen to Aaron Jones and nothing more. Ugh, that was awful. Let's talk about something more positive. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! How many people started Mecole Harmon this week? Raise your hand. Nobody? That's because you did the smart thing in the process, but that doesn't change the fact that he has to be my number three thumper of the week. He also gets the hat trick in touchdowns, two on the ground and one through the air. He was used as a gadget player, more so than a wide receiver in this matchup. 28 yards on the ground, 32 yards in the air, but picks up the three touchdowns. Maybe you played him at a DFS option 
in that case, my hat's off to you and great job there. But hardly anybody, if anybody, really played him in a 12-man or less redraft league in their starting lineup. There's no way. There's no way that you did. Miko Harmon walks away with three touchdowns in this matchup to be the number three thumper of the week. My number two and number one thumper, though, on the same team. And you guessed it. It has to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, you know, he was trying to throw for 500 yards in this game. And therefore, somebody had to be catching all the balls. Well, it was Tyler Boyd, not T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd, nine targets, eight receptions, 155 yards, and a touchdown. And then Jamar Chase, I'm just going to throw in the same conversation as the number one guy. 11 targets, eight catches, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. So first of all, it has been great to see Chase get back on track these past couple of weeks. T. Higgins still had a fair game. We'll talk more about that later. Tyler Boyd's the one, though, where not a lot of people are starting Tyler Boyd. More times than not, especially when both Higgins and Jamar Chase are healthy, he just gets left out. So as a result, he's not really played very often in redraft leagues. He's owned because he's too valuable to have on the bench, but you never really feel good enough in playing him. There's nothing wrong with that process. Did he help out a lot of people? Probably not. But yeah, Tyler Boyd just comes through in a big, big way. Jamar Chase, though, back on track as an elite top-end receiver that you drafted him to be. That's got to feel good. After the first few weeks, he was a buy-low candidate because he just was not getting the job done. Teams were doubling him and covering him, and T. Higgins was the one going off. Now it looks like the shift is back where Jamar Chase is going to be the man. Wide receiver bummers. Oh, Keenan Allen, my number three bummer. I have a little bit of a tangent that I want to get off on with Keenan Allen, but we'll do it later in the show during the insights of the game notes. For now, as a bummer, two targets, two catches, 11 yards. And if he played, you likely played him, especially in a matchup here against the Seattle Seahawks. It didn't work out. They got the bye next week. Better days are definitely ahead. But for now, if you're depending on Keenan Allen and his return against Seattle to give you some kind of fancy value, it just did not happen for him. But what about Drake London, who comes in my number two bummer at the wide receiver position? It's brutal. One target, one catch, nine yards. That's it. That's all you got out of Drake London. A guy who's on fire the first three weeks of the season. Now, because his passing offense of Atlanta is non-existent. He is falling down and down and down and further down the rankings so far. I had him outside my top 24 for the first time this year, this past week. I'm glad I did, but I still was not nearly low enough. But the number one bummer, the guy who takes the cake, Romeo Dobbs. Four targets in a game in which was against the Washington Commanders, who were one of the worst teams against wide receivers with no Randall Cobb, no Christian Watson, again, which Alan Lazard got hurt halfway through. Sammy Watkins on one leg trying to play out there. And Romeo Dobbs, who had shown promise early in the season, gets four targets, zero receptions, zero yards. Gooses you. And when a matchup in which was probably the last straw to have him be a wide receiver three slash flex play in your lineups. Totally goosed you. Number one bummer of the week out of any position. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! It was tight ends day. National tight end day. We heard it all day long if you were watching Red Zone. And uh, these guys 
These guys are the creme de la creme of the national tight end day. Although one actually happened on Thursday, but our number three thumper of the week, Travis Kelsey doesn't get in the end zone a crazy amount, but man, oh man, eight targets, six catches, 98 yards against the San Francisco 49ers, which have been shutting down tight ends at this point. And this is basically a floor game. He's my number three thumper of the week at the position. And it felt like a floor game for Travis Kelsey because he didn't get in the end zone. It's insane how good he has been. He is the bread and butter of the passing attack. He makes everything else go. And he cannot be stopped no matter what the matchup is. But what about our number two thumper? Juwan Johnson. Maybe you streamed him in a pinch. It's quite possible. And he didn't really do anything until the very end of the game. But five targets, five receptions, 32 yards, two touchdowns. You're tight end against two touchdowns. You are extra cremely creme creamy. I don't know how many people played him, but he is the number two thumper of the week at the tight end position. Our number one thumper, though, George Kittle. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I've been talking about this for a really long time. When Trent Williams plays, George Kittle can have high expectations as a fantasy football asset. If Trent Williams does not play, George Kittle has the block and his ceiling goes down through the toilet. You still have to play him because he's George Kittle but he does not have the same ceiling when Trent Williams is not out there. Well, guess what? Trent Williams is out there for this game, and George Kittle took advantage. Nine receptions, six, I'm sorry, nine targets, six receptions, 98 yards, tax on a score. George Kittle, the number one thumper on the Sunday Funday recap. Tight end bummers. Oh, man. So Zach Ertz has had a really high floor. And uh, I was a little bit down on him, but I saw him in the top 10 tight end. He had been the most consistent tight end to this point. Full point PPR leagues, he had not scored less than 10 points in any week through the first six weeks of the season. DeAndre Hopkins was coming back, yes. And I've been warning you guys, I wanted you to sell high on Zach Ertz before he came back. Because even last year when DeAndre Hopkins played, it was a small sample size, but Zach Ertz took the biggest hit. Now, there was some hope, though, that since Marquise Brown had gotten hurt, they're like the logical thinking is, Okay, DeAndre Hopkins comes in. He just takes over the high target share Marquise Brown was getting, and everything else kind of remains the same. That didn't wind up happening here. Zach Ertz has a bad game, four targets, two catches, 24 yards. That's it. And now we have to question, it's not just a bad week this week. It's what can you do for me moving forward now that DeAndre Hopkins is back alive and well. Kyle Pitts, he is on this list way too often. He is our number two bummer. At the tight end position, five targets, three catches, nine yards, just more of the same, more on the Atlanta Falcons later. 
But at this point, how are you not at your wit's end with Kyle Pitts? Mark Andrews takes the cake, though. Two targets, one catch, four yards. We did have some questions about how healthy was he coming into the week. Didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Turned the limit session in on Friday. Kept getting listed with a knee and or rest. So we thought maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe it has to do with more rest and knee, and they're just managing his load. I watched him out there today in this game. He is definitely hindered by an injury because he was not his explosive self. It showed and it went out on the box score. Unfortunately, got targeted in the run zone. Could have had a touchdown to save his day. Couldn't quite connect. And as a result, Mark Andrews, who was my number one tight end of the week, had one of the worst bust games of any tight end that you were counting on at the position in week seven. Very, very unfortunate there. But on on the other side, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got the insights of the game notes to go over. So we can actually dissect what happened, what to take with us moving forward, heading the next week in a continuation to always get better here at MD Nation. So everybody stay tuned to the show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Bader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back to the Sunday Fun Day recap here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't already done so, so you get notified whenever we have new content available for you guys. Check us out on bellyup.tv or just find us on demand. We download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices. You can look for the Belly Up Sports TV category. All of our episodes are there. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Really appreciate it. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. 
So we went through our thumpers and bummers for the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon games. Now we get to talk about our notes of the game, our insights that help us take what we need with us into the following week so we know how to correctly set our lineups and what to expect. I know, I know, I know. What do we know? Let's start off, of course, with the Thursday night matchup. So the first thing was, well, it was a 42-34 to 34 score. So regardless of how you came out on this game, I was thankful that it was a much better game to watch than what we had to watch the past couple of weeks. So definitely thankful for that, regardless of how this thing shook out for you. Let's get into those Saints. Who's the quarterback next week? They had some extra time off, and I think it's a real discussion. Jameis Winston was active for this game. Now, it was clear they had made the game plan already that they were not going to go to Jameis Winston. But Andy Dalton getting three interceptions in this game, who had been rumored, if he played well, would have the opportunity to stay the starting quarterback. Now I don't know, because his whole job is to not turn over the ball. That's the only reason why they favor Andy Dalton over Jameis Winston, is that they trust him more to protect the ball. But when you have two pick sixes to close out a half and essentially be the reason why you lost this game, well, then you might as well go with the guy who can actually give you big playability if you're going to throw interceptions anyway. So I just will be curious to see. I think it's something we're going to have to watch, something we'll keep you up to date on our social media feed at Show, who the quarterback's going to be. And that matters. If Andy Dalton's the quarterback, it favors Alva Kamara getting more checkdowns. If he had Jameis Winston's the quarterback, well, that favors Chris Olave opening up his ceiling down the field, but less checkdowns, of course, available for Alvin Kamara. So it will be interesting to see, and it will have a fantasy impact on somebody one way or another. But I do have a question about Alvin Kamara's usage. Why is it that he's seemingly not allowed to get involved in the passing game until the game is pretty much over? That's what happened here. In a game in which there's no Michael Thomas, there's no Jarvis Landry, you're leaning on Chris Olave, who's fresh off a concussion injury, finally back and active in this game. Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback, and you're trailing for the majority of this game, and you wait until the late second half, when this game is basically over, to finally go to Alvin Kamara on a consistent basis, and he got nine targets. You'd be fooled by the box score, though. Seven catches and 56 yards on those nine targets. But it all came in the second half. Alvin Kamara, one of his best attributes is his pass catching. He's a dynamic weapon. And instead of using him to start off the game in that capacity to make your team and your offense better from the get-go, they do it when the game is pretty much well in hand. The reason why that makes me so concerned is that kind of usage is not sustainable, normally speaking. He's got to get more involved early in the game, in the passing game, for us to feel more confident about Alvin Kamara being the RB1 that you probably need him to be. And I just, I have a question as to why. Because it doesn't make any sense why Mark Ingram has to play the amount that he has to play. Doesn't make any sense. To spell Alvin Kamara, fine. You want to give him a series here and there? Fine. You watch that game early on. Kamara's getting a carry, ripping off a good run. And all of a sudden, Mark Ingram's in there for the next two plays, at least. Mark Ingram's in there on third down and longs in the first half. It didn't make any sense. It hasn't made any sense. It's not the first week we've seen this either. So ultimately, while Kamara didn't have a big game that maybe you're hoping for, he still had a solid one, especially in half point, full point PPR leagues. 
but that usage has to get improved as far as when it's happening on 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 the field, when it's happening during the game. Better utilization. And it's weird, and it has me a little bit concerned about Avakamara being able to sustain the good value that he has been able to provide over the past couple of weeks now since he's gotten back from the rib injury. My last thing is Olave, a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, no matter what, moving forward. Seven catches, 106 yards on 14 targets in this game. Will some volume come down when and or if Michael Thomas is able to come back? Yeah, sure. But Chris Olave, I believe, is here to stay as the Saints' number one wide receiver, which will give him a very good floor, if nothing else, no matter who the quarterback is or what the other options are out there. And we don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas or when he'll be back. But at this point, it just feels like it's par for the course. What about on the Arizona side? Well, first of all, welcome back DeAndre Hopkins. 14 targets, 10 catches, and 103 yards. It looked like he picked up right where he left off, where Kyler Murray looks to him and nobody else but him. And that was kind of the problem for every, for all the other weapons that you were counting on. Rondale Moore was a flex option, a wide receiver three for a lot of people. Started off the game pretty well, but then they never went back to the well on that one because it was the DeAndre Hopkins show after that. Two targets, one catch, 31 yards. We talked about Zach Ertz in the Thumper and Bummer section of the show where he was our, my number three bummer of the week. Two catches, four targets, 21 yards. Something that I've been concerned about him, not just for this week, but for moving forward. Because when DeAndre Hopkins played in the past, Zach Ertz seems to have a tendency to get left out. Even though Marquise Brown was out of the equation here, I thought maybe they'll give him some hope. He needs volume. And right now, the volume is not going to go to him as long as the number one safety blanket of Kyler Murray is out there on the field in DeAndre Hopkins. It's going to be few and far between. Now, Zach Ertz, as he stay a top 12 tight end, probably due to necessity, at least for now. But he's no different than a lot of other guys you're taking shots on in that range moving forward as long as Hopkins is around. But what about Eno Benjamin? He finally was serviceable in this game last week. Not, not so much, but week seven came through. 12 carries, 92 yards, broke up a 45-yarder in this game, gets a touchdown, tacks on four catches for 21 yards on five targets. It makes you feel more confident, if nothing else, that if James Conner has to continue to miss more time, you can play Eno Benjamin and at least expect decent, solid production. Because after the first week, it kind of looked like, well, maybe Eno Benjamin can't hack it as the lead guy. But that got rested here against a decent, not a great Saints defense, but a decent Saints defense that was severely banged up. And Kyler Murray was just, well, he was just okay. Seven runs for 30 yards. You need that number up because he only gets you 204 yards and a touchdown through the air. And this seems to be a typical stat line of Colin Murray as of late. It's disappointing. It's unexciting. Makes you not want to watch the game. And unfortunately, because of his talent and the weapons around him, he'll consistently be inside the top 10 as far as quarterbacks are concerned. But it's not pretty. It doesn't feel you feeling all butterfly inside after that matchup either. But there's not much else you can really do or take from that game moving forward. So let's talk about the Jaguars and the Giants in this matchup. The Giants get the job done yet again. I had it as one of my lock bets of the week. I was taking the points. I was taking plus three. I even mentioned on the Cashing Friday show, which you can catch every Friday night at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. I talked about how I kind of want to take them outright as a lock bet, too, because I thought they would win this game. But I was going to like, look, you're going to give me plus three points or call them. We're looking for what our lock bets of the week are. That's one of them. 
So that's why I took the Giants there, plus three. Saquon Barkley, just he pulls through. He, he does what he does. And it, was, it wasn't looking great until the end of this game. I do want to make a little bit of a note. Uh, Fedu Kaski, uh, I, I may be butchering that, but the defensive end slash tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars, when he's in the game, this Jaguars run defense, is, it's pretty good. It, it's pretty good. So something to kind of keep in mind when you're playing Jacksonville, you kind of want to watch whether he's going to be in the lineup or not. He's been out the past couple of weeks prior to this, and that's why the Jaguars have been getting gashed on the ground for the most part. But in this game, they had Barkley bottled up until the end, and then all of a sudden he got loose for a couple of decent runs and is able to finish with a stat line of 24 carries, 110 yards, and tacking on four receptions for 25 yards as well. Not a huge Barkley day, but a very, very good day nonetheless. Wandale Robinson, expectedly so, leads the way. Eight targets, six catches, 50 yards, played way more snaps this week. And this is what we kind of talked about, full-point PPR leagues. I think Wandale Robinson is somebody who can be a low-end, safe-floor wide receiver three because he's going to be the lead receiver of these Giants until further notice. And when they finally get into a game, and it will happen eventually, don't worry, when they finally do get into a game where they have to come back from behind and win against a superior team, and it's it's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. Wandale Robinson's going to be a very good candidate to get double-digit targets and be a PPR monster. So keep that in mind with Wandale Robinson. He was on my waiver wire last week. Hopefully he won't be on it this week because hopefully he's not going to be less than 50% owned. But somebody that you want to keep your eye out on and you will be able to plug and play now that we're in the midst of these bye weeks. What about the Jacksonville Jaguars side? So I can already tell you this is this, he's going to be a zero of mine. We do it Heroes and Zeros on Tuesday night during the primetime recap and the waiver saviors at 10 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday nights. And I do a Heroes and Zeros segment to kind of keep myself honest, to kind of hold myself accountable. James Robinson will be a zero for me. I still had him slightly ranked ahead of Travis Etienne. Look, yes, fully recognized. It's not like I don't watch these box scores or watch these games because I 100% do. Last three weeks in a row, Etienne had played two more snaps each game, just two over James Robinson. It still very much looked like a 50-50 committee coming into this week. And the difference for me was in all those games, it wound up being a negative game script for more of the majority of the games, including some of the ones like Houston, where we didn't expect that to be the case, which was leading to me to believe, okay, fine. Travis Etienne will probably play a little bit more than James Robinson in those situations. James Robinson, all three games over the last three weeks, had dominated early down work like he normally had as the lead carrier. In fact, last week, he outcarried Travis Etienne. So with the Giants knowing that they are a great matchup for running backs, especially, thought this could be a week where James Robinson maybe gets back on track. We see a little bit more of him than we did Travis Etienne. Well, that was not the case. It wasn't a 50-50 committee, and it didn't matter what the game script was. It was, didn't matter if it was neutral, pro, negative. We had all, of the, all three here for Jacksonville throughout this game, and it didn't matter. And now we can officially probably say moving forward, we have to start looking at James Robinson as the backup running back to Travis Etienne. And not just a backup who is a significant work share. Backup as in handcuff. As in Travis Etienne after this week might have just became the lead back. It does make sense at some point. It would make sense to go with a guy who's a little bit more of a playmaker on an offense that is struggling. And still struggled in this game, quite frankly. They need to find ways to score points. They need to find guys who can make big plays for them. Travis Etienne is exactly that type of guy. 
14 carries, 114 yards, and a rushing touchdown in this game. Tacked on only one catch for five yards. But James Robinson didn't register a carry, only had one target, was clearly the backup here in this one. I was wrong. I will reiterate that again tomorrow. Don't you worry. But Travis Etienne looks like he is the starting running back the rest of the way. Christian Kirk, he was fine. I said coming into this week, look, the target share on Christian Kirk had to get corrected. He is too much of the featured wide receiver one, paid too much money for the Jacksonville Jaguars to consistently continue giving him just five targets a game, which five, six targets a game is where he, that's the mark he had been at the past few weeks leading into this game. It's like, that's going to have to change. Kirk has to move around a little bit more than some of the other receivers do, like Zay Jones, like Marvin Jones. And you can attack the slot of the New York Giants. Well, he comes away this game, not a huge week, but 10 targets, seven catches, 96 yards, reestablishing that he at least has a wide receiver two type of ability to him based on volume. He gets the 10 targets. That's the magic number. You want him to get to that double digit target mark. He really should more times than not. So I did put this in a feather in the cap of a positive experience for Christian Kirk. Everybody else, though, Zay Jones, 10 targets, four catches, 54 yards. I know Evan Ingram had an okay game in this one. Outside of Christian Kirk, outside of Travis Etienne, and if the matchup dictates it so, Trevor Lawrence, I don't have too many fantasy eyeballs on this team or desires to really play anybody in particular. Let's move on to our next matchup. We got the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys here. So first of all, we need to find out somehow. I, I wish Brian Scott of the Injuryless Podcast, who comes on every Wednesday and two and Thursday night, uh, to kick off those shows to give us updates on injuries and what we can expect. I wish there was some way he could get an inside scoop for us on what the heck the DeAndre Swift injury actually is. The guy practiced in limited capacity all week, and I kept bringing it up. I was like, look, while people seem to be saying they think he's going to play, the comments weren't all that reassuring. It was a lot of DeAndre Swift is pushing to try to play on Sunday. It just sounded, everything sounded way more questionable than what the expectation was initially coming out of the bye week. So now DeAndre Swift, he winds up, he doesn't play. So now we're going to have to completely question whether or not is he good to go next week. We still don't exactly know what the nature of the shoulder injury is. We never got enough details for guys like Brian Scott to really be able to give us uh, a concrete timeline that we can kind of base our idea off of when we're going to be able to play this guy. You have to hold out. We'll see what happens when he does. But And we know he's an RB1 when he does. But so far, DeAndre Swift, the downfall of him is staying healthy, and that continues to be the case as this season progresses. And then, of course, Amon Ross St. Brown, very disappointing, walked away with a concussion injury, which is why he only gets the one catch for four yards. It was very early in the game. I believe it was in the first quarter. It might even be during the first drive. I'm not sure. But Amon Ross St. Brown, unfortunately, gets knocked out. And now we have the question, because the new concussion protocols, if he's not clearing very quickly through concussion protocol, now we have to go in with the mindset that St. Brown will not be available for week eight on top of all of it. So yet again, the line of fantasy players that you want to be very excited about are getting injured and may not be available yet again next week. Continue to play Jamal Williams. I know he didn't have a huge game in this one. 15 carries, 79 yards. Didn't do as much to the air as you would hope for within when DeAndre Swift doesn't play because Craig Reynolds kind of got more involved in that aspect of the game. But with if DeAndre Swift is out, you're playing D Jamal Williams, I'll probably be locking him in consistently as a top 20 running back. I mean, plain and simple. That, that's what he is. 
He's a good running back. He's shown pop so far this season. He's getting the volume that's necessary when DeAndre Swift is out. You can see to play him and not think too much of it. Jared Goff, by the way, home road split. You can only play him at home when the matchup dictates so. That's going to be the rule on the Jared Goff moving forward. And frankly, if he starts to have bad home games... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Then all that magic from early in the season when he was streaming quarterback, that could be over. So something to kind of keep your eyes on as we move forward. On the Dallas Cowboys side of the ball, Dak Prescott returns. That was the big storyline, of course, in the NFL. From a fantasy standpoint, take Detroit Lions to play up-tempo. This should be a good spot for Dak. He was fine. He, it wasn't great. He was fine. He played solidly. The problem is, from a fantasy standpoint, he just didn't have to do that much. So he goes 19 of 25, 207 yards, just one touchdown. He doesn't turn the ball over, but it just looks very, I don't know, very lethargic out of the Dallas Cowboy offense is probably the best way I could describe it. But you look at the score and you look at the defense and you look at the fact the Lions couldn't move the ball and you're just like, well, they just didn't have to do too much. And Dak Prescott just got back. Why overexpose him in a game where you don't have to have him do too much? And that led to kind of disappointing performances. CeeDee Lamb didn't have as big of a game as you would have hoped for. Six targets, that's his lowest target mark on the season. Four catches, 70 yards. So an okay floor game, but certainly not what you were hoping for against the Detroit Lions secondary. Dalton Schultz, okay, PPR-wise, was maybe fine. Five targets, five catches, 49 yards. Looked like he kind of aggravated the knee injury yet again. And that's going to be the problem with Dalton Schultz. We're going to have him hovering around that top 12 territory, but we know one hit in the wrong place, and this guy could get knocked out of the game at any given moment, and that's going to be the case all season long. This PCL injury, because he's playing on it, is not going to get better. So that's something we have to keep in mind here with Dalton Schultz. Even with Dak Prescott back, which did lead to more volume at least, he's still a risk to play every single week, and he doesn't have, frankly, enough upside for me to want to play him with that kind of risk. Noah Brown was still involved here. The guy who wasn't... Michael Gallup, a guy who thought could be a streaming option, could hit a home run, could be a DFS play, a big play, a touchdown, especially in a matchup like this, could be on the table. Two targets, zero catches, zero yards. The fact is this, right now, until Dak Prescott looks like he's firing on all cylinders again, you're playing CeeDee Lamb. You cannot play Dalton Schultz in full-point PPR leagues only, and you're playing the running backs. And that's about it. Speaking of the running backs, though, Zeke had a big day. Now, it wasn't a big day efficiency-wise, but it was a big day with two rushing touchdowns for only 3.8 yards to carry. But who cares when you score? 57 yards on the ground. Didn't give you much through the air. Actually, gave you nothing through the air. Tony Pollard, funny enough, played more snaps than Ezekiel Elliott. Now, part of that had to do in the fourth quarter. This game's well in hand. They just kind of turned the ball over to Tony Pollard and kept Zeke, you know, healthy and fresh. But I do think it's worth knowing that he had 12 carries after having 11 last week on 83 yards and two catches, 26 yards. The point would be this for me with Tony Pollard. He has the big play ability, but he's starting to establish a floor with the uses that he's had over the past couple of weeks because this is becoming more of a 50-50, 55-45 split 
between Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And as long as it trends in that direction, Pollard will be a flex play. He will have standalone value. And, you know, he at least has the ability to give you a big play. So you don't necessarily feel like you're losing out on the ceiling by playing him in those spots, in those situations. But Ezekiel Elliott's still the lead guy, gets the touchdowns. That's the only way he can have big fantasy days now is if he falls into the end zone. But it's good to know in plus matchups like this, when a with a Dak Prescott back that maybe they don't want to throw to the fire right away, it's nice to know that Zeke is actually well on his way to being a very competent fantasy asset. But let's move into our next matchup, the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. My Colts notes, Taylor's back. And he's okay in PPR because he has the seven receptions. But the Colts offense, once again, just looks out of sorts. This is a, this is a consistent thing that we're seeing out of them. They have one week where it's like, okay, they show some firepower, they show some promise, and they'll have another week against a competent, well-coached defense where they just look like they're completely out of sync, look like they have nothing going for them, no rhythm whatsoever, just hoping something sticks. And they can't lead the game because they start trailing early like they did in this one. They can't lead the game and lean on Jonathan Taylor the way they really should. Whether it's the offensive line making his plays inconsistent or whether it's just the fact that they fall behind two scorers early in the game like they did again in this one. That's the problem right now with Jonathan Taylor. You have to keep playing him, but that's why I was a little bit more skeptical on him coming into the week and had him ranked at the lowest I had had him ranked at any point this season when he was active and healthy heading into the game. And the usage, while I expect more than 10 carries most weeks, of course, this is going to be a consistent problem, I believe, for the Indianapolis Colts until they find some kind of rhythm within their offense and an ability to score early and not always have to do it in the second half when they're up against the wall and having to respond to pressure. My other note is Paris Campbell. 12 targets, 10 catches, 70 yards, a touchdown. Basically, he had Michael Pittman's stat line, who, you know, Against the Tennessee Titans was disappointing. Nine targets, six catches, 58 yards. If you're a full point PPR, it doesn't totally dud you. But against the Tennessee Titans, you're expecting a much stronger performance. And for whatever reason, he just can't light up the Titans. Because two weeks ago or three weeks ago, when they played him, he didn't have a very good game then either. And this was only mm, a little bit better. A little bit better. That's it. But Paris Campbell, if he's going to start to become a thing now, now we have to worry a little bit about, okay, boy, it's Michael Pittman stealing in his volume. He's still going to be the number one guy more times than not. Let's not get this thing twisted. But Campbell, for the first four weeks or so, first four or five weeks or so here of the season, he'd been out there for all the snaps. He, he was there. He was on the field. But Matt Ryan wasn't looking his way. He wasn't getting open. That's not who he was utilizing. Even when Pittman was out, that wasn't who he was going to. Now, all of a sudden, the last two weeks, it's like, oh, well, you know what? If you're going to be on the field all the time, maybe we'll start to target you a little bit more. I think Paris Campbell will be somebody that you're going to think about full point PPR, half point PPR. You're going to think about him on the waiver wire because you're just looking for wide receivers. They get this kind of volume. You can't really ignore them. And the other part of that is if Paris Campbell is going to get this kind of volume now moving forward after not doing it the first few weeks, even though he's been on the field, it kind of puts a halt on Alec Pierce solidifying himself as the number two receiver to Michael Pittman, because now he'll continue to be the third player as far as snap share goes. Now in this game, all three receivers basically played the same amount of snaps. You're talking about 64, 63, 62. It was basically the same amount of snaps for all three of these guys. But if Paris Campbell, again, continues to go this way, Alec Pierce, you're hoping he became the number two receiver 
Now we have a little bit more of a floor to ceiling ratio. Maybe start to play him more as a wide receiver three because he does have the big playability. He does have the big body in the red zone. And instead, you're going to have this little, eh, he's going to have a limitation to that ceiling now if Bearish Campbell is going to start to be a thing. So something to watch with the Indianapolis Colts is very surprising, but very important nonetheless. On Tennessee's side, there's really not much to talk about. I mean, Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry. He gets 30 carries in this game, goes over 100 yards rushing, continues to be surprisingly utilized in the passing game. Three targets, three catches, 10 yards. Cool. Doesn't score in this game, but still has a solid performance and gets the crazy kind of Derrick Henry volume that you drafted and hoped he would still have, which makes him a fantasy great, basically, because he has this kind of a floor, and we know he'll have his ceiling game too. He scores two touchdowns, goes over 150 yards rushing. Outside of that, there's nothing else to talk about. Robert Woods was a guy that, you know, maybe he's a wide receiver three with no Traylon Burks, no Kyle Phillips. You figure the passing attack of Tennessee has to do something. Well, you kind of figured wrong. Now, yes, there's going to be games where Woods is more involved than just four targets and three catches and 26 yards. But that four targets, that led the team. Ryan Tannehill, who got banged up in this game, by the way, so we're going to have to see if he's able to play. And Malik Willis is in there. I really don't trust any of the pass catching options for the Tennessee Titans, but he only threw the ball 20 times. Tennessee, this 19 to 10 game, this is how they want to play. And when they get the opportunity to do it, that's what they're going to do. That's why Ron Tannehill has not been a streaming option for me this season. And that's why, look, because Traylon Burks has the big playability, that was the only reason why I was somewhat excited for him if he was going to start to get involved in the offense that way. But ultimately, with Robert Woods, who doesn't have that big playability anymore in his repertoire at this point in his career, there ain't much of a floor. It's a low-volume passing attack. Robert Woods, not something that you're really going to feel any kind of confidence starting. And frankly, you could just drop and move on from if you have not already done so. All right, let's get to Atlanta Falcons and the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll start on the Falcons side of the ball because it's, it's kind of quick. But Pitts nor Drake London are for sure starts anymore moving forward. They're just not. They can't be. You can't be when Mariota is consistently throwing the ball less than 17 times in a game. He threw the ball 13 times today. A game in which the Cincinnati Bengals were dropping bombs left and right, getting out to big leads, and instead of responding by trying to throw the football, Arthur Smith ran it 29 times as a team. That's what this Falcons team is. No one, no one can survive on a quarterback throwing the ball 13 times. And right now, Mariota getting to 20 attempts is on the high side. Plain and simple. It's on the high side. Drake London will still probably hover around my wide receiver three territory. He's a great receiver. He's very talented. We saw the first three weeks of the season. But if Mariota is not even going to sniff 25 plus times and, and feature in at least on one guy, well, then nobody can have fantasy value in this passing attack. And that goes for Kyle Pitts. Only had the five targets, the three catches, and the nine yards himself. You can, I'm not, I'm not dropping Drake London, and I'm not dropping Kyle Pitts. And, you know, most normal 12-man, 10-man leagues, which is usually what we talk about here in half-point PPR. They're too talented to drop. But I can't tell you, as of this moment, the next time I'm going to feel comfortable starting them. So that becomes an issue, too. What about the Cincinnati Bengals side of the ball? We talked about Joe Burrow. We talked about Jamar Chase already. We talked about Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins, I didn't quite mention him, but 
Still, seven targets, five catches, 93 yards. When you know more times than not, Tyler Boyd is not going to be that second guy to chase getting that kind of work. That's a hell of a floor for a guy who's back and healthy. Joe Mixon gets a touchdown. Wasn't pretty. 3.4 yards a carry, 58 yards total rushing. Tax on three catches for 33 yards and passing. Look, for Joe Joe Mixon, because this offense is no longer hits, maybe those big, big, big games aren't necessarily in the cards anymore. Or maybe he has won the rest of the way. But he continues to get touchdowns, continues to get worked in the goal line, and he just has a safe floor every single week. As long as that one touchdown, he's fine. And that's all you're kind of looking for. So there's nothing really to complain about, even with the guys who didn't have the bonker performances of a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and a Tyler Boyd who probably didn't help you out anyway. Next game, the Ravens and the Browns. So let's start with the Browns first. Chubb back at it. Had a little bit of a one-week hiatus, which is a little bit concerning. And then eh, this game, now he's fine. 5.7 yards of carry, 91 yards on the ground. Doesn't go over 100, but... Picks up the rushing touchdown and even got you a couple catches for 16 yards on three targets. Something we don't seem to always expect from him at all. So Nick Chubb was fine. He's good to go. He's an RB1. Nothing else needs to be said. David Njoku, who at least did you the favor of getting you seven catches and 71 yards before getting hurt. Turns out he got an ankle sprain in this game. Was seen in a walking boot and crutches after the game. The, The quick news alert is that, well, it doesn't appear to be a serious injury, so we'll have to see. Could be day-to-day, which means maybe he can come back next week. But David Ajoku has become a vital cog in your offenses right now, a vital cog in your fantasy football lineups because he's a tight end getting volume and actually doing something with the ball when he does get it into his hands too. So we're going to have to watch David Ajoku very closely. If he misses time, Harrison Bryant will become a streaming option after that. And look, Cody Brissett, he just spread the ball out. You know, Amari Cooper, 74 yards, but only four targets, three catches. That's not a normal number here. And if David Joku gets comes out, that's also going to benefit, you know, Amari Cooper there with his volume overall on a consistent basis, too. The other thing, though, is Kareem Hunt. So Kareem Hunt's somebody I consistently rank as this, you know, low in RB2, high in RB3, a guy that I said more times than not, plug him in your flex play. He's usually a running back getting a double-digit touches. Well, he hasn't done that past couple of weeks. And if you played him, well, he got the touchdown, which saved you. But he gets you nothing else. One catch, four yards, two targets, five carries. It's been brutal lately for Kareem Hunt. With Since Nick Chubb is just dominating the way that he is, Kareem Hunt's just not as involved with this team. And he's kind of just pulling away where there's like, look, the Browns, they have to try to win. They have to try to move the ball. And the best way to do that is have Nick Chubb on the field more and more. As a result of that, if Kareem Hunt's not in a position to get a guarantee double-digit touches, well, he can't be in your lineups. On the Ravens' side of the ball, we, we talked about Lamar Jackson being a disappointment, and you know maybe guys like Rashad Bateman will get healthier. Maybe guys like Mark Andrews will get healthier. Regardless, it's still ugly, and there's throws that he's just not seeing that he was early in the season. Hopefully that gets corrected. You're never benching Lamar Jackson because of what he can do. But it's just a shame that we've had to now suffer through three kind of dead games in a row now out of him. And I don't have an easy solution for you either. Because you can't bench him. You have to hope it gets better. And it should. What about Gus Bus? Welcome back, Gus Edwards, man. 16 carries, 66 yards, picks up two touchdowns. 
It wasn't Kenyon Drake. He wasn't a thing in this game. It wasn't Justice Hill. It was Gus Edwards. And I have to tell you, I'm watching this game. I'm looking at Gus Edwards. He's always been a little bit more of a of a heavy set type of running back, right? He looks really good. He looks trim. He doesn't look like he like he lost a ton of weight or anything like that. He looks physically like he just like pure muscle now. Looked a little bit more explosive. Looked just as powerful as he was before. Like he might be in better shape than he was in previous years. Kind of that's kind of the way it looked like to me anyway. Picks up two touchdowns here right off the bat. And until J.K. Dobbins gets back, which, you know, after the knee surgery, they're reporting that he's going to have this week. We've got four to six weeks now. Gus Edwards, we're going to be locking him in as a top 20 running back more times than not because this was his backfield right off the gate. First game back, this was his backfield. There was no contest. None. Drake, by the way, played less snaps than Justice Hill did. So it's definitely not his offense. I can tell you that much right now. So we have big confidence in Gus the bus moving forward. As far as the passing attack goes, you know, Andrews and Bateman, that just goes back to Lamar needs to be getting back to Lamar, and then those things will come. What about the Green Bay-Washington game? Start with the Green Bay side of the ball. Rodgers got two touchdowns. I, I guess that's the silver lining here. Only 194 yards through the air. It's a lack of weapons. It's And also, the, like, this, my note on the, on the offense for the Packers, it's broken. It's broken. This game was never out of hand. They were leading at half, 14 to 10. And yet, Aaron Jones got eight carries. A.J. Dillon got four. You had 12 total carries as a team. In a game in which you were leading at the half. I mean, look, I thought they would bounce back. I thought they would realize, look, your identity has to come from your running backs. But it's not. It's not what LaFleur's doing. He's still trying to make Aaron Rodgers be the hero. You don't have the weapons for that. You don't have Devontae Adams. And now Alan Lazard's banged up. So now we have to see exactly what does that mean. And the problem with that is, okay, Lazard's banged up. Watson's banged up. Cobb's banged up. Romeo Dobbs is supposed to be this up-and-coming rookie showing promise earlier on. And we already talked about the fact that he donuts you. Number one bummer of the week at any position. Romeo Dobbs. Complete donut. How can you have any confidence? Let's say, let's say Lazard's out. Let's say Christian Watson continues to be out for his hamstring injury. We, we know Randall Cobb's going to be out. Only Sammy Watkins is going to be the other receiver out there, really. And even if that's the case, how can you play Romeo Dobbs on any confidence right now? This is a Washington Commanders team that's been you know, just hemorrhaging points to the perimeter wide receivers. Dobbs is out there. He played the most out of any wide receiver. Four targets, nothing. Nothing to show for it. So you can't even have confidence with Lazard out to play Romeo Dobbs next week as a wide receiver three. You might have to, but you're not going to feel confident in doing it. It's just a shame with where he looked like he was trending. He looked like he was a guy who was trending to be on his way. We're going to be excited about his play. Now, the past couple of weeks, he's basically been fantasy unusable. And now you can't even trust that whether it's a good match or not. Now it's irrelevant. And so the Packers get back on track with what their identity needs to be for this offense to work. Matt LaFleur, which is your running game first and then your passing game. You can't trust anything out of the Packers right now, fantasy-wise, outside of Aaron Jones, who had the big week, two touchdowns, nine catches, 53 yards. It was all through the air. 2.9 yards a carry, eight carries, 23 yards. He never had a chance on the ground. Never. 
And like I said, he dominated the way on A.J. Dillon. And this is a game that, you know, yes, he racked up quite a bit in the second half, but he was getting some targeted and stuff like that in the first half, too. He way outplayed A.J. Dillon. Some of it might have been game script because of how the second half rolled out where Washington got a big lead and Packers had to come back from behind. But remember, for the first half of this game, it was pro game script for the Green Bay Packers, and that still was the case. And I, I warned you guys coming into last week, I was like, look, the Packers need playmakers. They need guys who can who can just take simple little plays and actually make something out of it. The only guy who fits that mold right now is Aaron Jones, and I thought there's a possibility he just kind of pulls away and A.J. Dillon becomes more of a backup because not getting anything out of A.J. Dillon right now. So whether it was game script or it was for that reason, Aaron Jones' value may go up because he just may play more and more over A.J. Dillon. We have to worry about a split quite as much. What about on the Washington side of the ball, though? So we'll start with, the, of course, the, the running back here. So that's what everybody cares about the most, trying to figure out, like, all right, what, what can we expect production-wise here? Brian Robinson does get 20 carries. Antonio Gibson was more involved, like Ron Rivera wanted him to be. He had 10 carries for 59 yards, very efficient. And he was also good through the air. Four targets, three catches, 18 yards, and tacked on a receiving touchdown. Antonio Gibson is, I'm not going to play him in fantasy. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. He might be the Swiss Army knife. He might be the stepping stone between Brian Robinson and J.D. McKissick. I don't care. You cannot trust the week-in, week-out usage of the Washington Commanders. You just can't. What would be interesting, though, and what I did notice in this game, if Antonio Gibson could just move J.D. McKissick aside altogether. Look, in this game, McKissick only had two targets. If he could just become the pass-catching back who also gets worked in, with Brian Robinson carrying the ball, kind of like Travis Etienne earlier in the season with James Robinson. If he can do that, then we might be talking about him as a flex play. That's when he comes to the conversation. But until that gets you know clarified, until that actually becomes the way they're going to do things moving forward, nobody has that much value. Sure, Brian Robinson's going to be the guy who probably has the best chance for the goal line touchdown and gets the majority of the carries but he still has not been efficient at all this season. When they play a good team, he can very much dud out in a big way because he's not involved at all in the passing attack. It's just it's just a backfield I don't want to touch. The good news is with Taylor Heineke coming in, Terry McLaurin was solid. Five catches, 73 yards, and he gets the touchdown to give him a good fantasy day. Eight targets as well for Curtis Samuel. Five catches, 53 yards. Now, when Jahan Dotson's back in here, we'll see how this whole thing shakes out with the rotation where the targets are getting distributed for the most part. But if you're a Terry McLaurin owner and you're worried about Taylor Heineke, who wasn't that great for him last year to begin with, and now you have the addition of Curtis Samuel being healthy this season and what his role has been, you weren't sure exactly how this was going to work. Well, at least Taylor Heineke made sure McLaurin had just as many looks as Curtis Samuel in this matchup. So you can continue to play both of these guys, I believe, as mid-level wide receiver threes. And in McLaurin's case, maybe a little bit more upside for the big play and the touchdown, which he has more of an ability for. That's it for that game. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks, I guess, because we have to. I guess Carolina Panthers. Tom Brady throws the ball 49 times. The volume's there. That's the only silver lining I can give you. Yes, Mike Evans should have had a gimme bomb touchdown to start the game. And who knows? Maybe that would have got them going. Maybe that would give them the confidence. Maybe they got a little more pep in their step. And maybe this whole thing would have been different. I don't know. 
I do know that even when you make a bad play, you're supposed to come out there and do your game anyway. And this was very early on in the game. They had plenty of time to get back on track, and they never did. I mean, you're okay with the volume of a Mike Evans, who had 13, 15 targets, excuse me, nine catches, 96 yards. At full point PPR, you're even okay with the volume you got out of Chris Godwin. 13 targets, seven catches, 43 yards. Not much to show for it, very inefficient. But if receivers are getting that kind of volume, you can safely continue to play them, regardless of how good or how poorly the quarterback and the offense are being. Kate Otten was a guy I kind of had on my sleeper list. Cracked my top 18 by the end. He had five targets, four catches, 64 yards, because Russell Gage picked up another hamstring injury, and uh, Julio Jones wasn't out there. So I think there's a decent chance here with Cameron Bray, if he's going to be out again next week, there's a decent chance that Kay Dotton could be that third pass catcher more times than not. So if you're looking at tight ends, he's somebody I'm keeping my eye on at least. But this whole offense is just in, in, they're in crisis mode. How could you not? You're in crisis mode. You can't be efficient. You can't get going. You can't be in rhythm. They have a lot of soul searching to do. You made Philip Walker look like a competent quarterback because your defense was consistently on the field. It's brutal. You play your guys, you play Fournette, you play Mike Evans, you play Chris Godwin, you might be able to stream Kate Otten. You're likely going to have to play Tom Brady because that's just how bad the quarterback situation has been that even with these abysmal performances, he's still hovering around that top 12. You just got to hope it gets better. I got nothing else to offer you, unfortunately. Got to hope it gets better. Maybe when they get Rodney Hudson back, it will, but we're still a few weeks away from that. What about the Carolina Panthers side of the ball? So they trade away McCaffrey. Dante Foreman has a big game on the stat line. 15 carries, 118 yards. You're like, okay, cool. Dante Foreman was the guy. I thought he was going to be the guy, and he performed very, very well against what's supposed to be a tough Tampa Bay run defense on paper. But hold the phone. Chuba Hubbard, who came away with a touchdown in this game and looked very good and efficient in his own right with nine carries for 63 yards and two catches for 10. However, he was the starter. He got hurt. He picked up an ankle injury. They're saying already that it's a very minor one and that even if he if they needed him to, could have came back into the game on Sunday. That's what we're reporting. So with that in mind, the idea seems to be that we should expect Chuba Hubbard have a pretty good chance of playing next week. He was the starting running back. Foreman was the backup. Foreman broke this 60-yard run early in the game, and so he had a decent stat line to kind of kick things off. But he wasn't the guy until Chuba Hubbard got injured. So Hubbard's the one you're going to want to start moving forward, not Donta Foreman if both are healthy until further notice. Both are involved, but it looks like Hubbard is the guy they at least want to give first crack to for now. So that's the big thing to kind of take away out of Carolina. The other one, DJ Moore shows some life. 10 targets, 7 catches, 69 yards, even gets in the end zone. And all this with Philip Walker. Now, I don't trust Philip Walker to be able to continue to have competent performances because he's not a competent NFL quarterback. Unfortunately, because they won this game and he had a decent performance against Tampa Bay Bucks. Steve Wilkes, after the game, made comments like, eh, it's going to be pretty hard to bench Philip Walker next week, even though... Both Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield are expected to be available off of their injuries. That's a shame. 
I really wanted to see Sam Darnold right off the bat for DJ Moore's purpose because I know at least he'll be hyper-targeted. It is an improvement over Philip Walker, and maybe DJ Moore can get back to being somewhat fantasy-relevant before this fantasy season's over. But now he might have to deal with Philip Walker for the time being for absolutely no reason whatsoever. But Carolina's in a, in a state right now where it really doesn't matter what they do from an organizational standpoint. They're trying to lose games anyway, clearly. They're rebuilding for the future. Keep your eye on that and keep your eye on the quarterback situation. Maybe with DJ Moore, I'm still going to feel a little bit uneasy playing him as long as Philip Walker is the starting quarterback. Well, let's move on to our 4 o'clock matchups, though. We had three of them. So let's start with off the Houston Texans and the Las Vegas Raiders. Houston Texans, the stat line for Davis Mills was actually okay. He had 302 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Don't get lost in that stat line, though. He didn't actually play well, which is why guys like Brandon Cooks, it's not getting featured the way he should. Brandon Cooks is head and shoulders the best receiver that they have, and yet he gets five targets in this game. Second on the team of targets. Third, actually, excuse me. The running backs got more involved. And you're just left to wonder why. Why is Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks on an even target share? doesn't make any sense. Brandon Cooks is so much better. But this offense is so bad that if Cooks is not going to get featured like the clear-cut number one that he should be, well, I don't know how confident we can play, play, be playing Brandon Cooks in our fantasy football lineups. How can you? A guy I thought should be a wide receiver too, especially based on volume and talent. I can't trust him. Can't trust him. He's going to be nothing more than a wide receiver three at best in my rankings moving forward. Damian Pierce, he got his 20. And that's the one thing I had to say when it, when, it, when it comes to Lovey Smith. If he says something about Damian Pierce, pay attention. Because whatever he says, that's exactly what they're going to try to do the following week. You guys, it's 20 carries, 92 yards, tacked on even 25 yards through the air on four catches and four targets, had a fine, what has become a floor performance for Damian Pierce. On the Raiders side of the ball, we talked about how Josh Jacobs is one of our top thumpers of the week, just absolutely incredible, continues to be involved more in the passing game than all the other running backs too. He's, he's great. He's fantastic. He's elite. He's here to stay. Devontae Adams comes through. Not a huge, huge game, but still, nine targets, eight catches, 95 yards. He just didn't score. That was the only thing missing from this matchup. Devontae Adams is great. Obviously, we're starting him. Here's the deal, though. Hunter Renfro. Now, I had him as a, as a number one bust as a wide receiver coming into the draft process because I kept saying the same thing over and over again. As long as there's one guy available with a pulse, and when I say one guy, I meant you know, a Devontae Adams or a Darren Waller. Hunter Renfro consistently gets left out. Now, I know he's dealing with a hip issue. I think he even got knocked out of this game for a little bit and then came back in. But still, three targets, three catches, 55 yards. If you're not named Devontae Adams, if you're not named Darren Waller, you cannot be trusted to be involved in this passing game on any on any week. Even if Hunter Renfro has a good game, you're not going to know in the playoff. It's not going to happen. Derek Carr, big reason for that. He remains mediocre. I know the Houston Texans defense are secondary. He's got some young talent, a little bit better. It's still Houston. They're still bad. But Derek Carr just kind of just does his Derek Carr thing. 21-27, 241 yards, a touchdown. 
Remember last year where it looked like there were signs that Derek Carr could actually be a top 12, maybe even, dare I say, it, a top 10 quarterback with the addition of Devontae Adams? It hasn't changed him. It hasn't changed who he is or how he performs. He's the same guy who's looking to play it safe, who's looking just to be efficient and be accurate, but not looking to hit big plays, not looking to be a fantasy juggernaut, not on a consistent basis. He'll have big fantasy games. That'll happen. More times than not, he is that QB 12 to 14. He's outside, just outside the QB 1 territory, and I don't know if he can make that crack this year like I thought maybe he'd have the opportunity to do. Let's talk about Chicago, or I'm sorry, let's talk about the Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers. Chiefs, big blowout win in this one. Mahomes, again, just so impressive against what is a very good defense, and he just lit him up. 49ers never had a chance. 25 of 34 with the 400 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he just dominated. Just absolutely dominated. There's still a three-man rotation at running back. So I talked about this earlier in the show. I said Pacheco, the news on Pacheco might have misled people to playing Pacheco over other options they had already set into their lineups and probably walked away very much regretting that. Well, here's the deal. Pacheco started the game, but he didn't even play the most snaps in the position. Jerick McKinnon did. And it was a game that was either neutral or pro game script for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he still played. The, the number one runner, quote-unquote, of that team still played the second most snaps at the running back position. What it proves is that this is still very much a week-to-week, three-man committee, nothing more. It just it just may be more even now between Pacheco and and the other two players. Clyde Zolaire playing the least of the three with one less snap than Isaiah Pacheco. But he did get the touchdown. So if you played Clyde Zolaire because you're like, well, he's been getting touchdowns. I feel like I have to play him. Well, you got your wish on six carries and 32 yards and one target, which he did nothing with. My last note is an unfortunate note for me, but it has to be done now. So Juju goes off again. Had another big game. Eight catches, seven Eight targets, seven catches, 124 yards, tax on the touchdown, had another 45-yarder after I was making fun of him all week or making fun of anybody who's trying to tell me that Schuster needs to be a thing. I'm like, yeah, okay, 49ers tackle. Well, not well enough. It wasn't that they didn't tackle in this game. They didn't cover. The 45-yarder the, the that he had, it had to be a blown coverage. Nobody, nobody was covering Juju Smith-Schuster in the dead middle of the field. And he took the ball and he basically just ran a straight line to the end zone and no one caught up to him until they got to the goal line. Like, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know why they weren't covering why they weren't covering him. Whatever the case may be, Schuster now has been too good the past two weeks to not have in your fantasy football lineups, at least as a high-end wide receiver three. And as a result to that, Sky Moore, who I've been holding on to and hoping was going to be something at some point. Another bad fumble on special teams. And I do wonder if that's contributing to this. But look, you can officially drop him. As much as it pains me, you can officially do this. Prepare to be flushed. I had hope, but now it seems to me, unless there's a Juju Smith-Schuster injury, Sky Moore will not get his opportunity because the other guys are being just good enough at this point. They have a bye week coming up soon, not next week, but the week after, week nine. And I was, before my plan was like, look, I was going to hold Sky more through week 10 and the week 11. If they came out of the bye and he still wasn't getting more involved in that week 10, then I would move off of him. I think you can go ahead and move off of him now. 
If you if you need the roster spot. Now, if you don't, I'm still okay with stashing him. I still think there's there's a story to be had there. Smith Schuster, still a guy who's gotten hurt in the past. I still think he's worth stashing if you have the ability to do so. But if you need that roster spot and you've been dancing around it at this point, I don't think there's a reason to dance around it anymore. What about the San Francisco side? Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, look, he wound up getting 10 touches in this game. He's going to be fantastic. When he actually knows the entire playbook and he's back to being the bell cow back, which I could, I expect very well will be as soon as next week against the Rams, frankly. He's going to be awesome in this offense. You can just tell it fits him. Fits him so well. But he did play more than I expected him to, or at least got more touches than I expected him to. So Jeff Wilson... You know, he had, he, Jeff Wilson would look good. He had seven carries, 54 yards. I mean, he was very efficient. He was ripping off runs, but the 49ers couldn't stick with the running game because they just got down by so much, especially in the second half where the Chiefs just gouged them. So Wilson, in the, what was to me the last game to play him as an RB2, that went, that went down the toilet because he just didn't get enough opportunities. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you streamed him, I, I think you felt okay about it. I mean, you got 300 yards, you got two touchdowns. Yeah, you got the pick. But I think you feel oh, you'll take that if you're just streaming Jimmy Garoppolo in an emergency situation. We talked about George Kittle going off. But Brayton Ayuk, lead receiver of the day, 11 targets, 7 catches, 82 yards. And it's coming at the detriment of Debo Samuel, who only had 5 catches on 42 yards and 7 targets. And just another game in which Debo's been kind of just disappointing. Look, I don't think he's going to be involved that much in the running game anymore with Christian McCaffrey back there. I just don't. He only had one carry in this game, and McCaffrey wasn't quite up to speed. And I point that out. He's had two carries apiece the last three games coming into this one. The days of Debo being the Swiss Army knife might be over, but that's okay. That doesn't matter. He's still a wide receiver one when he's just being a wide receiver. If he's involved, though, if Brian Ayuk is going to be the lead receiver for Jimmy Garoppolo, well, I don't know. And I don't know if that continues. This is an offense that continues to struggle. 23 points is not enough in a game like this. They're still not hitting on all cylinders. And a big reason why, I think, is because they're not getting Debo the ball enough, especially down the field, getting him in better situations to run after they catch. They're not doing a good enough job featuring him. So I think that does change at some point this season. But overall, regardless of who you had in this 49ers offense, when McCaffrey gets going with this running attack, everything else is going to fall into place. I'm telling you that right now. You want this team. They have a great schedule the rest of the way on top of it. Yeah, there's definitely reasons to be excited about George Kittle, Brian Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, even maybe Jimmy Garoppolo as a consistent streaming option. Let's get to our last game for today's show. That's the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Chargers. Seahawks winning this game 37-23. to I did have them at the plus five, because it was they were getting five and a half from the Chargers, or maybe five even by the time the game kicked off. But I was like, look, I don't care. I'm taking the charge. I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks. The Chargers don't look impressive to me on defense. Brandon Staley, what are you there for? This defense has talent. You're supposed to be a good defensive mind. Defense doesn't stop anybody, especially not on the ground. Go, go, Kenneth Walker, man. Talk about him. He's already one of our running back thumpers. It's just he's an RB one. He's there to stay. He's an RB one. He can. He's too efficient, and he hits the big plays. I mean, really, DJ Dallas did play quite a bit on third down and longs, but Kenneth Walker still had ten more routes run than he did. He just didn't have the target in the box score to go along with it. But as the second week in a row now, where Walker at least is somewhat getting opportunities in the passing game to kind of boot. And if that starts to hit, whew, look out. 
Geno Smith was was solid. And I want to point this out. I talked about this heading into this week. I wasn't as big on streaming Geno. In fact, I had him outside my top 12, and I was lower than most of the ECR. I pointed out last, I believe it was last Sunday, Funday Recap, where I said, look, he's throwing the ball about 30 times a game. Unless he's hitting bombs and being uber-efficient on 30 times a game, that's not enough pass attempts for a guy like Geno Smith to consistently be a top-12 quarterback option. Just not. You expect him to have to be too efficient in order to make those numbers. Well, this game kind of showed you why. Like He's solid in this game. wasn't bad in this game. 20 of 27. 210 yards, two touchdowns. It didn't do much with his legs, which in other games past, he had actually been kind of tacking on like 40 to 50 yards to really kind of amplify that aspect of it, too. This is more kind of the stat lines I'm expecting. Seattle win games, play well, get behind Kenneth Walker, and as a result, Geno Smith's averaging between 27 to 30 pass attempts in the game, and that's not enough for him to be fantasy relevant like he had been. Especially now, and we don't have all the details yet, maybe we will by the time you see this show or hear or hear this show, but make sure you follow us on social media at MDFF show to get updated. DK Metcalf left and got rolled out immediately with a knee issue. And if he's out, look, if you have Tyler Lockett, that makes him a, a monster, a target monster, which it did. He had eight targets, seven catches, only 45 yards in this game. But Geno Smith's days of being a streaming quarterback can go out the window because if he doesn't have both those guys to be able to lean on and be able to hit big plays from time to time, well, it's going to be Captain Checkdown City. And this offense might quickly become Kenneth Walker's moving forward. Something else to kind of keep in mind on the Seattle side. We have to watch that Metcalf injury. What about the Chargers, though? So this is where I had to get into Keenan Allen. He was one of our bummers of the week. Why did he play? He was fourth on the team, fourth amongst the wide receivers in snaps. He only played 23 snaps in this game. Game which the Chargers were trailing the entire time. He only played 23 snaps. Fourth amongst the wide receivers. You had a bye week next week. It was a, it was a question all week long, was Keenan Allen going to play? He never got a full participation in practice in. It was sounding like it was going to be up to him. Like he was going to make the final call, see if he's feeling good. But I thought for sure, unless this guy was close to 100%, that there was no way that they were going to have him out there, especially with the bye week next week. Just hold him out. Give him the extra bye week. Have him play in full when he come back in week nine. What was the point in bringing out Keenan Allen to play the fourth most snaps in a game in which you really needed him if he wasn't healthy enough to play the full amount of snaps? Would you bring him back for it to be on a snap count, to be limited? What was the point? It screwed fantasy managers everywhere, myself included, and in a number of leagues. It just felt like a booby trap that they just planted for you purposely. Now, I, the silver lining is that there wasn't any reported setbacks, and they do have the bye week next week. So when they come back in week nine, I expect Keenan now to be healthy and ready to go. But for this week, it just totally screwed you over. Mike Williams picks up an injury on top of it. And that now we'll have to see exactly what is his timeline going to be. Will he be back after the bye week or no? Now, thankfully, he did you the favor of getting you seven catches for 86 yards and a touchdown before he left. But if he's going to be out and Keenan Allen is closer to 100% after the bye week, well, then that's where long-term you're not too worried about Keenan Allen because he's going to get his volume anyway if he's back to be 100%, but especially... If Mike Williams is out, they're going to have to lean on him quite a bit. Gerald Everett in his place was pretty good. Five catches, 63 yards on nine targets. I thought DeAndre Carter could be a thing, but no, 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 no. Now when Austin Heckler's getting 12 targets here. 
So I think when Keenan Allen comes back, it's it's Allen, it's Williams, it's Eckler, it's it's the big three again. And that's assuming Williams is back. And if not, then Gerald Everett can be an option for you. Maybe Josh Palmer is if Williams is out. But they they, they got to get back on track somehow. It's, it's been disappointing. Herbert has not been great. He's okay again in this game, but not been great. And I thought the key would be getting Keenan Allen back, but of course I thought if Keenan Allen came back, he would have been closer to 100%. It's going to kind of look out of sync. And hopefully, if you have any parts of the Charger team, when they get the bye week, they'll have a chance to get back in sync. But if they don't look more like themselves in week nine, it might not get better. So we will have our eyes on that when they come back. That's going to do it for today's show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow night with the primetime recap, the heroes and zeros, and the uh, waiver saviors for week eight as we continue to get better and push closer and closer to the playoffs. So everybody have a great evening and make sure you're following us along on YouTube, subscribing to our channel. Make sure you're downloading us on your favorite podcast app because we're widely available. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I will see you guys tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 